I'm ready to love you. I thought you were doing the Elton. Are you ready? Are, Are you, you ready, ready for to pod? Is that Elton? The Germans and they're in trouble. Elton Tyler couldn't do it. Lineker probably could. Welcome everybody to the Final Countdown, a podcast looking back at great finals within the game of football. I am Lewis, here with my co-host Adam. Hello there. Uh, so it's been a couple of weeks break just due to life being busy and inconvenient, but we're back with our first true love here, podcasting, uh, <laughs> and it is your turn, Addy, to take us on a, a wonderful tour of the World Cup, so uh, take it away. Yes, it is. We left Zinedine headbutting the crap out of Maserati. That's right. God, I thought I named a car then. Is that a car as well? <laughs> yeah, there's a Maserati, if that's what uh, you're thinking of. So, okay. yeah. Vis- visuals of Zidane headbutting a car bonnet there. <laughs> he, he still would have uh, sent the car yeah, for him. Yeah, if he called his sister something, he definitely would have. <laughs> anyway, so we head towards 2010. So I'm going to do this for, uh, we haven't done this for a little while. Louis, what do you remember about the 2010 World Cup? Okay, so uh, I remember it was a World Cup, not just for... The, the champions, but for all of Africa. That was the, that was the tagline, wasn't it? I think that's the uh, wonderful bit of commentary when South Africa score in the opening game yeah. is uh, Shabalala. I always end up putting too many la-la-la-las on the end of yeah, it. Yeah, I think it works. Yeah, I can't remember Shabala or Shabalala. Uh, unleashes an absolute thunderbolt yeah. of a strike. And the commentary goes, a goal for South Africa, a goal for all Africa. It's really good, really good. I think it's Peter Jory, but I might be wrong. It's a really good ball. It's Shabalala. So I remember the opening. I remember the Vuvuzelas, all the controversy yeah, around them, yeah. the kind of the, the sound and the annoyance that I definitely think was drummed up because eventually you just forgot that the noise was there. It just well, became it, like cheering. It was annoying. Yeah, for, but, for but, about 30 seconds. But it was what South Africans do at games. And also, it, is, it does distinguish it. Like yeah. It distinguished it from the other World yeah, Cups yeah, where yeah. you kind of think of that. Um, and then other than that, because it's me, it's like it's the love letter to Spain where oh, yeah. they continue their dominance. So strangely <laughs> enough, my feeling of this World Cup is centred, it's as if I followed Spain more than I did. Well, they were more worthy of being Yeah, exactly, England, more than I followed yeah. England. So yeah. it's just one of those things. So yeah, to me, honestly, it's about the Spanish purist. So you may need to stand as their defence attorney. Oh, this, here we go. What, this. for their dire Well, dire we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about some of these issues that if you're not in love with Spain as yeah, a prerequisite, sure. then you might see this World Cup differently. Um, so, yeah, that was, that's some good stuff there. Um, we'll get to, well, we won't get to it because nothing really happens, but England came into this World Cup hot. You know, they hadn't lost 
That's true. Yeah, that's true. It's difficult because you say that and I'm like, oh, but with hindsight, I'm thinking back about what it was. Yeah, yeah. but no, you're right, actually. You're right. I think under Capello, they they didn't lose in qualifying. Yeah, that's right. So it was, there was a lot of expectation. Yeah. Which quickly was extinguished. Yeah. Yeah, so difficult to separate my emotions and disappointment with England to, you're right, in the lead up. I remember at the time I was writing like football blogs and stuff. I remember writing one about like, is this the year that we can kind of shake off the malaise of, of the previous tournaments because yeah leading into it I think we'd something ridiculous like conceded like two goals or three goals all qualifying as yeah. well like we had been dominant 100% record going in you had Pete Rooney Gerard was still yeah know, very strong yes we had questions around like why was Matthew Upson playing in the centre of defence and stuff like that but you still had yeah. reason to think because they beaten everybody questions that, however that would remain unanswered thanks to us conceding against the USA anyway thankfully we're not going to spend too much time on England because there isn't really a lot to spend on although there will be a little provoker of a question Ooh, later on okay um, but 2010 World Cup the bidding process for hosting the tournament finals was open only to African nations oh that's interesting which I didn't know no uh, um, in 2004 the FIFA they um selected uh, South Africa over Egypt and Morocco, the three bids that came in mm-hmm. uh, from African nations. And uh, it was mixed up as ever in all kinds of controversy, controversy. and all the rest of it. But uh, just to quickly lay out, the South African um, bid was uh, to be played in 10 stadiums across nine host cities around the country with the opening and final played where? Do you remember what it was called? That's in the ge- geographic location? No, oh, the right. stadium. Oh, no, I don't remember that. Soccer City. Oh, there we go. That's good. On brand, isn't it? it is, what should we call it? Well, I've been playing a lot of soccer. But <laughs> soccer, yeah. Don't worry, I've got it. I've got it. Do you want to run it past marketing? No, no need. <laughs> Just get a sign off. I'll back myself. Soccer City Stadium in Johannesburg. You were uh, the, the capital. So that was where the, the first game and the final were to be played. Um, but as I said, there was controversy um, surrounding. So uh, this is later on where there was an investigation into 2006 and 1998 and, another, uh, and, and other kind of of um, World Cups being awarded. So on June the 4th in 2015, FIFA executive Chuck Blazer, having cooperated with the FBI and the Swiss authorities who were investigating it, confirmed that he and other, the other members of FIFA's executive committee were bribed in order to promote the South African uh, 2010 World Cup bid. That doesn't surprise me, only because Chuck Blazer is a laughable figure in football so not only did he get literally become a fat cat and he (laughs) he ate so much and drank so much that he um started using a mobility scooter to get around he was too lazy to walk he was that he was that overweight i assume he's american right of course yeah yeah. yeah. uh and then with his riches he he had a um i can't remember his place of work i think it was actually his residence in trump towers and half of the the tower was given over to his cats. So he was a cat man. And like, when you've got enough wealth to have a place in Trump Tower and give half of it to your cats, you know that there's corruption. He's just a pig of a man. And yeah, just, it's terrible. Him and Jack Warner in particular. Oh, Jack Warner, of course. Through all of the kind of, everything that's came out in the wash from the FIFA corruption, those two in particular, along with obviously, Sepp Blatter. Blatter. Yeah, Uh, yeah, those are like, that's the holy trinity or the unholy trinity of corruption in FIFA. So he confirmed that he and other members, so they were all bribed in order to promote the South African. Interestingly, uh, two days later in the Daily Telegraph, um, which they were never sued for, but there was never a further investigation to this, but the Daily Telegraph reported that Morocco had actually won the vote. Really? But South Africa were awarded the tournament instead. Isn't that crazy? 
It's like, can yeah, you imagine? They, they had a vote. Morocco won, yeah. but yeah, we're not going to give it. To and them. can you imagine afterwards, everyone, the delegates, kind of talking, being like, "Well, I voted for Morocco. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so did I. Oh, what about Jeff? Oh, Jeff voted for Morocco. What about Saheed? Yeah, Saheed. Hold on a minute. <laughs> Before you know it, everyone's just like having their canapes and champagne. Going, exactly. Have we seen anyone that's voted for South Africa? No. Well, someone did. Yeah. Well, maybe no one did actually, but they got <laughs> it anyway. Uh, so South Africa were awarded. I mean, in some ways, it was great that um, you know South Africa. Uh, got, got the it. bid, yeah. Um, it, it, Nelson Mandela was still able to pr- uh, promote course, the tournament. Yeah. Uh, obviously, not as well as he was back in '95 when the Rugby World Cup came along. But he was still able to kind of um, uh, talk about it. one of his things that the FIFA delegates thing was that he talked about how he played football on Robben Island. No way. I mean, like, how can you turn that? Yeah, down? exactly. Like, Sorry, Nelson. You yeah, didn't, you didn't get me there. I mean, uh, that's great. Yeah. So, um, so he was still about and 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 saw the football world cup which is the, the bigger world cup come uh, home to south africa um we well, mentioned the vuvuzelas um i think the debate will always remain about whether it was good or bad but ultimately they like you said a minute ago they were synonymous um with the first african yeah. world cup and despite the hype around the bafana 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 yes that's it uh, and the truly brilliant moment when who scored shabalala shabalala la la <laughs> South Africa, unfortunately, uh, were eliminated in the group stage and became the first host to be eliminated. Oh, at that's the group sad. Stage. And the thing is, because of that opening goal and how much that's kind of um, sunk into my mind, I thought South Africa qualified from the group and then got knocked out, but obviously not. Uh, yeah, 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 it's, it's funny, a, it's isn't sad, it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, that moment always makes you think something because they drew that game. Yeah, that's they? right. Yeah. yeah. So a great moment, but ultimately um, they didn't. Uh, go anywhere at all however many of the big teams so-called big teams were in transition or they simply flattered to deceive in this world cup um so england crashed out to germany yeah and they did crash out stuffed 4-1 mm-hmm. uh, despite frankie lampard could it could have been 4-2 yeah. could have been 4-2 that's it probably probably been worse uh, maradona's argentina Diego maradona was manager of argentina by this yeah. point bit of a weird yeah. thing L- lots of stories if you want to know more just google maradona 2014 world cup very interesting. 2014. Sorry, 2010. Oh, I was going to no, say, sorry, didn't sorry, do 10, uh, two of them, surely. No, absolutely not. Okay, so uh, his Argentina suffered a similar fate. They lost to Germany in the next round, 4-0. So Germany were on a bit of a run, uh, as ever. Uh, the Dutch beat an undercooked Brazil side who had Kaká and Robinho in their ranks, um, oh. but totally fell apart against the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the host continent got behind Ghana. Do you remember this? So Ghana no, started to go somewhere oh, great. as an African representative. And Oh, of course, because this is the Uruguay moment, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So the South Africans, the crowd really got behind Ghana and it was a bit of a kind of, this was the good the good news story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, they came up against Uruguay and Luis, Luis Suarez. Suarez. I, I mean, think we've talked about it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, everyone that you love to hate. We did, we did it in our yeah. Christmas special talking about the way that he owned his cheating. And, well, uh, even recently, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, and poor Asamoah Gyan, or Gyan, yeah, yeah. Uh, spoons the penalty over and you just feel for him because he'd been brilliant. But I also remember that because he was a striker. I think he played for Sunderland at the time as well or, or kind of in and around yeah, that yeah. tournament. And he wore number three on his back, which I always thought was, again, it's like, it's not iconic, but it makes you stand out and you do remember stupid things like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Gyan wearing number three. <laughs> oh, poor old Asamoa. Um, but unfortunately, he missed the penalty, as you said. Uh, Suarez, you forget, was actually then suspended for the semi final. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, which they then lost, uh, and um, the Netherlands made it through all, all the way to the final uh, to meet Spain. Now, Spain, interestingly, got to the final, and you kind of associate 2010, that era of mm-hmm. Spain being completely and utterly dominant. They lost the first game. 
of the World Cup. That's right. To yeah. Switzerland. Switzerland. So yeah, they they had a terrible uh, result first up, and I think if I'm honest, I think they drew the second game, and they were in a little bit of trouble. Is that and right? They came through it yeah, ultimately, yeah. and you know they. Well, we'll say whether they actually dominated or not, but they sure. won games. Yeah, because uh, I, I remember the stat came up uh, for the most recent World Cup, where obviously Argentina lost their opening game as yeah, well. Yeah, so yeah. the only two teams I think to have lost the opening game uh, and then right. gone on to win the tournament. Right. I'm pretty okay. certain. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, this is a little bit. 2008. I think you can make the argument that Spain absolutely dominated and destroyed everybody. Yeah. There is a a question around this no, defi- Spanish team. Definitely. I mean, they don't they don't score a lot of goals. They strangle games. They kind of... It's death by a thousand cuts, really. Yeah. Um, and I think you're right, and we can talk about some more in the pod, but, like, I think it's definitely an acquired taste, and I can appreciate that aesthetically, it like, there are some people that find it so boring because it's sideways passing, back to the keeper, recycling possession, and it, it does strangle the game. There's no tempo to it, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about some more. Well, we were going to talk about that absolutely, mate. So we're going to do the final a little bit differently, but for the sake of a little musical interlude, let's get to the match. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! Brilliant! So as I say, we're going to do this a little bit differently. Normally we'd kind of make our way through uh, the timeline of the game. Mm-hmm. But chronologically. Yeah, chronologically. But that isn't, I don't think, the best way to represent oh, this game. You're teasing me, Ad. So there's a few kind of like um, things that are represented by this game or things that happen in this game that I think it'd be, I think I'm just going to provoke and, okay. and, and poke you for sure. a, a discussion on it. So let me get this. The final was accused of being peak anti-football. Hmm. So, my, sorry, I don't know if you have more. No, no, on, no, I've got more. I've got to lay it out a little bit. So, peak anti-football, you understand what sure. we're talking about there. Anti-football being kind of like what you're just talking about, really. Stodgy, yeah. lack of risk, a lot about systems and control yes. and trying to carve out the perfect opportunity rather than half chances, long-range shots. Absolutely. Like and then you add in... Um, in fairness, Netherlands get a bit of a bad rap here because Spain were almost as cynical in this oh, they definitely uh, final were, yeah. gamesmanship. Ultimately, defensive, physical, cynical, win at all costs. Mm-hmm. That's kind of this anti-football vibe. Yeah. Interestingly, to put this tournament into context, this came months after Jose Mourinho's mastermind of Inter Milan winning the Champions League against Pep's earth-shattering Barcelona side. Yeah, it was a blueprint of sorts. Yeah, and some a lot of commentaries that I was reading said that that played into this World Cup. Mm-hmm. How do you stop, you know, the kind of flair teams? Yeah. This is how you stop it, anti-football. Um, the Netherlands team, I'm going to come to you, mate, don't worry. The Netherlands team had caught similar controversy for deploying negative tactics, physicality, physicality and gamesmanship becoming their hallmarks. This led, interestingly, to Johan Cruyff... Oh yeah, turning his back on the Dutch side and publicly criticising the team, insisting that he would be supporting Spain in the final. Oh my God, he he, he, just, it, he could he? have reined it in a little bit. He always loves the quote, and I love Croy for actually <laughs> saying what was on his mind. But yeah. that is that is a statement and a half, isn't it? He said, "I am Dutch, and I but I will always defend the football that Spain are playing. It is Spain Spain's game to lose, but I will take intense joy if they win it." Wow, that nuts! That is so. That's such a strong statement as well. It is. But again, that's like I know that um Van Hal this tournament um came under a lot of criticism because he was playing three at the back or five at the back, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. Um, and that's not the Dutch way. Dutch play four three three. Yeah. And you always play four three three. It doesn't matter if you have the players for it. It's it doesn't funny, matter if the it? system yeah, wins yeah. you games. Yeah. Like that is their identity. And Van Hal this similar to a, the way that people talk about England with four four two. No, is it's, it? no, it's it's really similar yeah. actually. Ladies and gentlemen. England will be playing four, four, fucking 
two. And Van Hal, being Van Hal, has the personality to go, well, I don't care. I'm just going to play what I want. <laughs> I'm going to play uh, I'll play Shevin on the back as long as she wins the games, you know? Uh, so, he can do all night, just yeah. if you're wondering. <laughs> if Dave's listening, he's loving life right now. Uh, so we have Spanish gamesmanship versus Holland's or Netherlands games, gamesmanship, ultimately what you kind of saw. And it kind of ruined the game a little bit. Yeah. Every trick out of the book was pulled out in order to stop the other team from putting three or four passes together. So whether it was trying to get people booked, fouls, pretending to be fouled, mm. whatever it was, and it just killed it. So my question to you, Lou, yeah, on a bigger scope, but also including this game, what do you make of this side of modern football? Because it still exists. Yeah, yeah. This kind of win at all costs. What? Yeah, I think. What do you think? At my heart, I'm I am a footballing purist. I I like the idea that there is, you know, I don't think there's one way to play football because I think that's actually boring. I think the kind of homogenising of modern football is actually a bit of a problem. So many teams play a very similar way that it can become a bit boring. And that's why, using the Premier League as as an example, teams, now that Everton have got Deitch, like people talk a lot about Sean Deitch being like long ball merchant and it's like being really terrible. And I actually don't think it is. He's very direct, much more direct, but it isn't just, you know, uh, kick the ball into the corners, chase it down, that kind of thing. There is always an aim. They bully teams, so it's it's a bit of tactical variety. And there are some teams like Arsenal. Obviously, used to get painted with the brush against yeah, Stoke yeah. in particular. Like they couldn't handle a very different physical game. So I, I I do think there's probably two or three like brilliant ways to play football. And at my heart, and it's difficult because I'm a Liverpool fan, and I I've seen us both play terribly and not win anything, yeah. and play brilliantly and win everything. And so part of me is like, no, I kind of I would rather play good football and not win than play bad football and win. See, that's however, the question, isn't it? Yeah, yeah however, yeah. once you've had that for two, three, four, five, six seasons, is there a point where you go, you know what, I just want to know what it is to win? Yeah. And actually, I'm si- again, like it's similar to the Dutch philosophy, Jan Cruyff, where it's like, Cruyff is obviously saying he would rather see football played, in his view, the right way than successfully. Yeah. And ultimately, Jose Mourinho, as an example, has built an entire legacy on being probably in the top 10 coaches of all time by winning by doing whatever is necessary yeah, yeah. and at times that's attacking but a yeah. lot of the time it's about containment games and ships what's and ship that kind of thing so you think so, netherlands looked at this final and thought we're not going to outpass spain yeah so spain the only playing thing in we've got here is to basically chop them to pieces yeah i mean for from memory almost every dutch player gets booked i think there's like seven Four, or eight. 14 yellow cards the yeah. most in world cup history yeah yeah so the, the final becomes card. Oh, Johnny Heitinger, because he, he was a thug. He was a centre-back for yeah. Holland, and he wasn't a ball-playing centre-back. He was just the muscle, um, yeah. like a, a kind of a, yap, a less cultured yap stam. But, yeah, I, I think, yeah, Holland were definitely just trying to nullify, because also it's not just how Spain did in this tournament, which is they controlled games. Well, like you say, they weren't dominant. They weren't, like, scary in terms of they could put, you know, five goals past us here if we go and attack them. It was more of the legacy of 2008, 2010, and what would go on to be 2012. Yeah, they won yeah. three in a row. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. right. Sorry, I was doubting myself then. Yeah. I was like, did it start in 2006? But that was Italy. So yeah, like they're in the middle of this run of dominance. And yeah. you just kind of thought, when is it going to stop? Like Spain, they just, ironically, they knew how to win because they controlled games. That teams had such little possession, they couldn't yeah. score. Yeah. But I do I do remember that Holland had Wesley Schneider, who just come off the back of obviously winning Champions League in the treble with Inter Milan. Yeah. He definitely should have been Ballon d'Or winner this year. I don't think he, he didn't get it. I remember that being a robbery. But 
Like Schneider was the, was the one bit of quality where you're like get the ball to Wesley and from dead balls. Well, they had Iron Robin as well, Robin, who, true, yeah. who incidentally had two um, one on ones in the night. Is that right? In the I don't remember minutes. that. Yeah, Casillas saved them both. Wow. Um, but he was injured. Yeah, uh, Robin in, 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 in the final. Injury. That makes um, sense. So yeah, he wasn't at his best. But yeah, you're right. It's not like the Dutch team had nobody. No, like, no, they they, they had quality, players. but I definitely think it was a sense of like you say just disrupting Spain because again not a lot of teams would get physical with Spain because as we see from this final you pick up a load of bookings because often yeah. you're clattering people by the time they've released the ball Spain was so good at releasing the ball before you got to them yeah, that yeah, most yeah. teams didn't get physical shouldn't get near them whereas I wonder if, clearly just went we'll take the bookings well it's the final as well I wonder yeah. if it, would they have done that if it was the semi yeah that's really interesting would they have gone at that text they very clearly had that Thing. And I think Spain were kind of like, we're not going to let you bully us. And it just turned into a mess of a final. Yeah, yeah. Which, and and go, sorry, go you've got the gamesmanship that you spoke about as well from Spain in particular, where their back line from memory was Jean Capdevere, Jara Piquet, Sergio Ramos and Carlos Puel. And you've got like Ramos and Puel are so long in the tooth. Oh, they yeah, are like yeah. the ultimate They're shit not going to sit and get whacked around. No, exactly. They? Like they will fight fire with fire. And you can see how certain personalities on the pitch just amplified one another and yeah. it, and it, it does kind of downgrade into a, a terrible yeah. game of football really well it's, it's the reports that's the reports that's the memory like mm. I don't think back on the 2010 final I'll go oh what a cra- classic that was yeah. it's, it's a bit iconic because of the goal yeah and, and the commentary really if I'm honest mm-hmm. broken for Fabregas now it's Iniesta this is it And how it finished, but that didn't represent the game. No. If I'm on, and this leads on that what did represent the game was the indelible image of Nigel de Jong uh, driving his boot into the chest of Alonso. Yeah. That's probably as famous as the winner. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, especially because um, Howard Webb misses it and and doesn't. That's right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. It. So that's crazy. my that's my next question. If you if you remember this game enough, depending on who you ask, referee Howard Webb either did fantastically well to preserve the spectacle, or he lost control of the pitch. What is a fact, as I mentioned, is mm-hmm. the 14 yellow cards he issued were more than double seen in any other final. Wow. It's not even close, is it? So the question is, did the ref lose control in that kind of in that kind of game? Did he lose control or did he actually keep control of it? I think in the big games, you always want 11 v 11, which is cliche, but you do, as much as possible, you want to keep the contest even. Of Without a shadow of a doubt, De Jong should have gone. Yeah. It is, it is uh, indefensible. But he said he didn't see it, right? So I... I should have done more research. I remember Howard Webb, I think it was maybe on the Peter Crouch podcast, he got interviewed and and was asked about, you know, how did you feel, biggest stage of your career, and you make this very infamous call. And I can't remember the exact details, but it was something like there had been a tackle um, about three seconds earlier. Right. And he was looking back as the ball was bouncing up between Alonso and um, De Jong. And so he was glancing back to see, because apparently the Spanish players instantly started protesting about what had happened (laughs) three seconds earlier. That dragged his attention because the Spanish players... Yeah, was shouting at him, were gesturing. It was like a handball or a bad tackle, something like that. Yeah. And that's how he missed the, the, the high foot. None of the and assistant so, referees saw it, I'm guessing. I guess not. And, and then when he gets surrounded, he thinks they're protesting about oh, what right, had happened okay. a right. few steps earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he, from his point of view, confusion. But also for Howard Webb, like the, the laws of the game are you book people when they, when they cross the line. And... You know, these players are savvy enough to rotate the foul. So once someone's yeah. got a yellow card, someone else takes the next tackle yeah, and the course. next tackle. And, yeah. and, and like, what else is he supposed to do? It's not like there's an orange card. He can, like, sin bin players to yeah. say, right, this is getting a bit out of hand now. Yeah. So either he has to overreact to a yellow or he 
keeps his cards in his pocket and then you know it is complete free for all so mm. I, I actually sympathize with Hardweb. i think there's not a lot more you can do other than the, the glaringly obvious miss on the yeah, alonso yeah. de jong but yeah. other than that from memory i do remember it feeling like he'd lost control because we'd never seen this many cards no. but he refereed the game within the rules like there wasn't there was nothing else no other tool available to him that no and i did use. you're right i didn't read nor did i see anything where it was like how did that guy who had already been booked not get sent off no like you're right they're probably clever enough and that comes back to the whole anti-football mm-hmm. this is how people played the game they were they'd obviously planned to yeah. do that which yeah. is nuts but you know there's there was no kind of like you know, fourteen yellows, and how did seven of them not get sent off? Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't remember any particularly egregious ones other than De Jong Alonso, no. yeah. where it was like, oh, they've got away with that there. Howard's bottle, uh, Howard Webb's bottle. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, Robin, as we mentioned, had the clearest opportunities that materialised in the ninety minutes. So it went to, it was nil nil going to extra time. Twice he was put through, only to be denied by Casillas. And uh, Spain in the game ultimately did what they'd done all tournament. A close game, a tight game, and they pass their way through it, and they ultimately pass the other team to death. Yeah, even the goal, you could argue, was a you know a, a move that was brilliant possession, but no pace to it. No, at no, all. exactly. They're just waiting. What it is is it is just a moment of pure brilliance. That ball by Fabregas to mm. find Iniesta. Obviously, yeah. Fabregas got the the fresh legs. He comes on as a sub, I think. Yeah. And it is, it's just a moment of brilliance where you can't you can't defend perfectly for 120 minutes. And, no, well, and, that's what they were saying. Yeah. Is Spain's tactic o- o- often was to pass the team to death for 60, 70 minutes and then take advantage of them with with quicker yeah. subs. Yeah. I mean, that's such a crazy tactic, mm-hmm. isn't it? But, yeah. So this, this brilliant illustrates what I just said. So Spain played four knockout games in this World Cup. The scores of those matches read as follows. 1-0, 1-0, 1-0, and 1-0. So my question to you, Lewis, is were they brilliant or boring. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> it's going to hurt you to I'm say anything ins- negative. I'm instantly <laughs> trying to. I'm trying to quieten down my emotion because I. I just. I do love tiki taka, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I yeah, know yeah. that a lot of managers don't like that phrase nowadays, but uh, everyone kind of knows what we mean. I think ultimately. Ultimately, football is a game of goals. Like that's what is the most exciting moment. No, Like, you can celebrate a last-ditch tackle, don't get me wrong, or yeah. when Thomas Muller misses a one-on-one. Always going to celebrate that, mate. Absolutely. We'll mention it on every pod. We can actually agree. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. But ultimately, you do want goals. Like, as an example, the 2022 World Cup final will go down as in anybody's list of any top three World Cup final ever. Yeah. And a lot of that is down to the push and pull nature. Obviously there was context and Messi's and Mbappe and all that, but it was goals and it was exciting because the ball was hitting back in there. Yeah, yeah. So I think unless you tactically love football, I think this has to be a boring final because I think if it was any other team than Spain, if this had been uh, a, a Germany uh, yeah, right. Holland yeah. final. I yeah. think I would be saying, yeah, it was pretty dire. This yeah. is pretty poor. But the mythology of Spain and that identity, I think I'd yeah. buy into, again, with hindsight, looking back, going, oh, I was in the midst of this amazing <laughs> run. They were doing things we'd never seen before. Yeah, but yeah. I do think, like, a rose with any other name. If it, if it had been, I don't know, yeah, Germany or Italy, I would have been going, no, these negative Italians, all they're point, doing yeah. is passing the ball. Yeah. Um, but, and with the reputation they have as well, that would have played like that. It's almost yeah. like because it was Spain, it, this this World Cup got labelled differently. Yeah, I completely agree with that. It's almost a win for marketing, isn't it? This yeah. idea that, yeah. yeah, if it had been Italy, you would have just said, I can't remember which commentary it was. It might have been Motti. 
but the exasperation of they just will not learn where it's like it's <laughs> Barry Davis being, Barry Davis yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah where he's just being ne- like Italy being negative being That's negative right, but yeah. you could make like you say a very strong argument that Spain were exactly the same they, yeah. they, they were very low risk um, they had like Pedro and Villa up top um, who would run the channels do, do like great link play but they weren't like take on a couple of players let's see if we can get something going here no. but it worked and so ultimately it, you kind of go well it was then up to Holland which obviously they tried and almost succeeded but mm. it's up to the other teams to like we're going to keep on doing this you find a way to nullify yeah. us you find a way to break it up and four teams couldn't like four very good teams couldn't find a way to slot Spain doing what they ultimately well, did yeah I mean more than that if you count the two tournaments either side yeah yeah exactly Euros, but yeah so uh, that's very brave of you mate to be almost negative <laughs> almost about negative yeah um, so my final kind of point uh, it, it actually leads us to a little bit of England reflection mm-hmm. um, there is a link uh, because we haven't talked about England much so as we've said deep into extra time Fabregas grabbed the loose ball slid in Iniesta and the Barcelona conductor made history mm-hmm. by firing Spain to its first World Cup title Vincent Del Bosque, Bosque or Bosque? Uh, I think it could be both. All right. Vincent Del Bosque was credited with being the first Spanish manager to find a way for Madrid and Barcelona players to work together Mm. in unison. Ramos, Xavi, Alonso, Iniesta, Casillas, Busquets, fierce rivals for nine months of the year, but united together to win the World Cup for the first time. So here's the question. Did Del Bosque do what Sven failed to do? I think that's a really succinct way of doing it. Yeah, I, I think it's exactly that. And Capello as well. Like all, all these players, uh, managers, sorry, that couldn't really get people out of their clicks. Which no, we're referring. Probably should say we're referring mainly to a lot of the talk from Rio Ferdinand yeah. and Frank Lampard that have talked about the fact that there were club clicks. Yeah, probably a little bit more before Capello's. Why? I said yeah, Sven. no, you're right. Um, yeah, when when English generation. Yeah, when English football was dominating Europe. Um, so, yeah, it seems to me that's not a valid excuse. No, no, I think you're exactly right. And I think the criticism these days about Southgate, taking it to modern England, yeah, yeah. is about his tactical, like, nous. Whereas, actually, the, the thing that is so evident to anybody that even yeah. casually watches England is, like, the togetherness of the team, the way yeah. that there are no club boundaries anymore. But, no. but you're right, taking back to this particular match, like, Spain, at the time, it was, like, the height of... Um, Madrid, uh, Barcelona, yeah, yeah. Real Madrid. The hatred for each other, the the ongoing battles on the pitch, the like feistiness, the four um, classicos in like seventeen yeah, days. Yeah, it, yeah. it it was so venomous. Like you had people kind of like spitting and tackling and yeah. like fighting each other on the Absolutely, pitch. Yeah. But you're right. When they came away internationally, like the Bosque, am- amazing like team spirit, and it goes to show, especially more so, I think, with international football, that this seems to be like 70 percent of being a successful team is the it's the harmony. Yeah. Is, is getting a squad that gels, that is all pulling in the same direction. You look at Holland, France over the years that have fallen apart. Obviously, we've spoken about England's golden generation. That France as well. Clearly never spoke. Yeah. 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 Um, so I, I think, certainly internationally, it seems to be a, a little bit less about the tactical side of things and much more about like the feel-good factor yeah. and um, either ramping up pressure or lessening pressure depending on what teams need. Yeah. So, yeah, I think Del Bosque, like, because, again... Tactically, it's not like there's a huge. There is a Spanish identity, but it's more informed by Barcelona than it is it by Barcelona. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and it kind of changes slightly over the three tournaments that Spain win. But essentially, it's almost like you know what to do from your club football. So let's just all be on the same team, work together here. Yeah, yeah. There we go. So Spain won their first World Cup title, and we head into extra time. <laughs> 
Well, you have just witnessed 90 of the most gripping minutes of European football you will ever, ever see. But the good news is there's more to come. Okay, so as I say, Spain won their first World Cup title. They were the first national team since 1978 to win a cup. You mentioned this after losing a game in the group stage. Oh, so it happened before then. So it isn't just Spain, Argentina. Well, it is Argentina. Oh, in 78? Yeah. Ah, interesting. So Argentina have done it twice. Yeah, then. so that's the way they do it. So yeah, interestingly, that, that hasn't happened an awful lot at all. Uh, losing the first game and they come back and, and um, win the World Cup. They also became the eighth nation to win. So a new winner of the World Cup. That's true, yeah. Uh, this represented the eighth nation to win the tournament and the first European nation, this is good, the first European nation to win a World Cup hosted outside its home continent. Oh, that is good. So the first European nation, every other World Cup, because they'd all been in South America, yeah had been won by South Americans. Um, so, yeah, pretty uh, impressive. Um, so, yeah, and then I thought I'd finish um, uh, with this quote um, from Ian Wright on the um, punditry after the final, which I thought was so good, but also so blimey, that's full on. Uh, and so this kind of sums up maybe the 2010, certainly the 2010 World Cup final. When players know they can cheat, they will cheat. And as soon as something is done that stops players getting away with making eight to ten fouls in a game without repercussion, then what we saw last night will become a high watermark in the age of negative tactics in football. Wow. It's pretty, pretty full on, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So basically kind of saying this is how football will be unless Until someone does something. In. Yeah. So I guess we'll find out next week, mate, whether that changed at all. or not. Yeah. yeah, I look forward to it. So talking about next week, uh, come and join us on the pod as we look at another 1-0 final.